Welcome to the Strength Culture Podcast. I hear him chat to the noise, move too quick, can't stop for the talking. I hear him chat with the boys, man so tough, but must keep caution. All right, guys, welcome back to the Strength Culture Podcast. I'm very excited. Today, I have a new guest, Daryl Stingley, on the podcast. Uh, I met Daryl recently when I was down in Miami. Uh, a lot of you guys know that I just flew down Miami to train um, some clients for two or three days. I got to go back to Move, Lift, Move, Lift, Live um, down in Brickle. I uh, got to see old friends and meet new friends. So shout out to Chris uh, and, and Gabriel and Troy, uh, you know, you know, Nelson, all these guys. It's good to see you guys again. Um, so Daryl was there. He was training. And this guy is a phenomenal athlete. He's incredibly strong. And he is a professional parkour athlete slash free runner. And then I'll kind of let him make his introduction. So welcome, Daryl. Thank you so much. Again, honor and a privilege to be here with you. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Daryl Stingley. I, I've uh, been practicing parkour for uh, 18 plus years now. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I got, I got, to, I got to meet you at, uh, at Move Lift through our mutual friends, Chris, Gabe, Nelson, Troy, all those guys. Um, and you, you saw me doing what I was doing. <laughs> you saw me lifting weights and you were like, so do you just train all day or what? you know so yeah i mean it was like a 90 minute session right yeah yeah most of most of my sessions are like in the gym are about that like 90 minutes to like two and a half hours you know wow wow yeah that's that's super impressive so now i i remember the first time that i heard about you was from chris um you had either just done or maybe we're going to do again my timeline on this is a little off but you, you had either just done or were about to do a parkour slash free running workshop there at Move, Lift, Live. Um, and that was sort of my first introduction to you. Um, but you're not from Miami, correct? No, no, I, I'm, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area in uh, California. Um, and um, I came to Miami with my partner, Mel. Her family is from here. She's from here. Um, and, um, we had some East coast work that we needed to do. So we figured, you know, come over to the fam, uh, and then, you know, work our way up to New York, Boston, where we had some, uh, some other workshops and, um, and events planned. Um, and I needed a place to train because we were going to be here for, uh, like an elongated period of time, more so than we, than we thought spending time uh, in Miami, I, I need a place like to train, you know what I mean? Um, because the parkour out here isn't isn't incredible you know what i mean um it's it's not it's not a every single day of the week a lot of public space kind of place um so i was like i need a place to go and like you know like work out i need a place to go and train uh so i was like i know exactly who to call i called carl and i was like yo do you um do you know anybody out here that would be willing to um open their gym space up to us um so that we can come in here and train and i told him like basically you know, we do, we do the whole like trade-off, whatever, um, or you tell me how much it costs and I'll tell you if I can afford it. But the trade-off essentially is typically like, I, I do have a following. I will like, you know, represent this space. Um, and uh, I, we do film work, we do media work for, for multiple different types of clients. So it's like, if that's ever something that's needed, like we can jump on that immediately. Um, and Carl set up the, um, the connection between myself, Chris and Nelson uh, Quadris. Right. And, 
And like, you know how Chris is. It's like, you say, hey, Chris, I want to do this. He's like, yeah, when do you want to do it? How do you want to do it? You want to do it right now? We can do it right now. That's, you know, that's how Chris is. So, um, a hustler, Chris, man. yeah, dude, he really is a next level hustler. So yeah, he responded <laughs> in a, in like the blink of an eye. Um, and we met up, I think that week, um, at move lift for the first time. And yeah, you know, it was a, it's history now. Okay. Yeah. 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 I got, I was, I had the pleasure of watching you train a little bit. Um, and I kind of want to go into that because I was actually incredibly impressed with how strong you, you are. And I've worked with some like parkour slash free running athletes over the years. Um, we actually realized at dinner that we had a mutual friend, Travis. Um, yeah. So he, he's, I've trained, I've trained him on and off for years. Um, helped him with a lot of things. Um, and I think that I could be wrong, but it seems that there's some hesitancy, hesitancy to do like proper strength training within the mm -hmm. community a little bit, because I feel like, like most people think when they do any kind of sport, honestly, I don't, it's probably not unique to this, but some sports I think have this more than others, but there's almost a hesitancy to train because they feel like it's going to take away more or less from their performance. Right. And your performance yeah. would obviously be incredible plyometric uh, feats of strength. Um, like in, in like, like a, you know, an urban environment, which is just like a yeah. parkour free running in a nutshell is just in crazy. Um, I want to kind of ask you about that. I want to ask, like, have you always been like that? Is that a shift that, I mean, I know you, you kind of briefly touched on, you know, you've trained, but you didn't really feel like it was structured enough to really, I guess, maybe improve the top end. Like you always kept some sort of fitness in, but maybe it wasn't yeah. specific or directed enough. So I wanted you to talk about your experience with your training and, and maybe back when you started free running, which is just a long, yeah. a long time yeah. ago. Um, but, and then maybe your transition, just to your thought process. Like, I think this is a really important topic for anyone to listen to who plays sports, um, the kind of using training or strength training, however you want to frame it as like a general preparation for, for whatever it is that they want to do. Right. Um, and maybe how the things that you've learned in terms of like how it affects you or how, you know, or what, how you were told it would affect you and didn't and, and so on and so forth, just to give some background kind of like on, on the topic. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. So I came into parkour in the early 2000s, 2005 specifically. And at that time, if you, if anybody knows about parkour around that time, you know about like the old school guys and the old school guys were all jacked. I mean, they were ripped, bro. They were ripped. They only drank water. They ate like protein and vegetables. And they had like this, this like strength uh, mentality kind of like, like not necessarily like we want to go in the gym and lift the most weights. It's just like, no, I want total control of my body and mind. You know, I want, uh, I want to control my fear, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So they trained rigorously. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And that's, that's when I came in. So I came in and they're doing like a lot of isometric hold kinds of things. You know what I mean? They're doing like planches and, and like body props between walls and they're crawling for a mile. You know what I mean? Like just hands and feet. Um, and like they're, they're climbing things like 
you know, doing like traverse challenges, super slow and stuff like that so that they can like really have the muscle control and all that stuff, you know, um, they were, they were doing incredible stuff. So that's when I came in. So I came in and I'm doing that, you know what I mean? I'm trying to do everything that they're doing, all the push-ups, all the sit-ups, like all the V-ups, all the toes to bar, all of the muscle-ups, you know what I mean? Pull-ups, dips, and then all of the other, like what we called like parkour conditioning, right? So the crawling, the body propping, the, um, the climbing traverses. And then the sport kind of shifted into like this more freestyle acrobatic, you know, um, kind of like dance, you could say, you know what I mean? Like we got, we got a lot more, we got a lot more break dancers into the sport. We got a lot more gymnasts into the sport. We got a lot more um, martial arts trickers into the sport around that time. And that stuff was sick, man. It was just so dope to see people literally like being Spider-Man, you know what I mean? That's what we were seeing. Um, and when those people came into the sport, the, the athletic aspect of it did shift, you know what I mean, in terms of how you were training, because, um, you know, in gymnastics, you have to do quite a lot of conditioning, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's rare, it's rare that you see a gymnast, like, you know, putting a barbell on their back, but like, you know, they, right. they, right. they have dumbbells, they do a whole lot of calisthenics, you know what I mean? Um, so that was still kind of present, but I think it was an escape for the gymnasts from that when they got into parkour it's like oh now i can just you know express myself almost like less do... like less structure and a little exactly. bit more a little bit more artistic in terms of exactly like, yeah because gymnastics yeah. I'm sure everyone's familiar with it's like yeah. incredibly disciplined incredibly structured it's almost it like rigid. militant and rigid and it's yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah so i i think that when that part came around that's when like the training started to go away because to do that aspect of the sport like you don't necessarily have to be super physically strong you know what i mean like like you do if we're being honest at a high high level but like at the base level with doing a lot of like the rotations and stuff like that like i can teach a five-year-old how to do a front flip and a back flip and a side flip in a day you know what i mean like if they if they have the confidence you know what i mean which a lot of the times they come in and they do um but I can't teach them how to jump 10 feet today. Like I can't teach them that. Like that's, we have to train to do that. I can't teach them how to climb like today. Like I, you know, I, we have to train for that. Um, and that aspect of the sport started to kind of like phase out and the, uh, the acrobatic stuff like was, was mm. like taking over. Um, and I was, you know, I was evolving with the sport. So as the sport evolved, I evolved. I did m way more of the acrobatic stuff. Um, and, you know, eventually I found my way back to like more of the fundamental aspect of the sport. Um, Cause I, I never didn't want to push that. Um, and that's when the training kind of came back. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, I, I want to jump so far. I want to climb so fast. You know what I mean? Like I want to swing so far. Like I actually have to be strong to, to do these things. Um, so I did actually start doing a little bit more training. And, and um, in, uh, in 2013, one of my friends, Brian Orozco, uh, he introduced me to CrossFit actually. Um, and you know, CrossFit at that time, you already know the stigma that was around CrossFit at that time. Yeah, you know? but you're but you're in California during this time too, right? I mean, I yeah. would say that 2008, you know, mid to late 2000, like 2005 to 2010 ish was probably like really the, the I don't know if you want to call it the golden era, but it was sort of the yeah. the explosion in popularity of CrossFit. Like 
And the fact yeah. that it was like basically born in Orange County, um, mm-hmm. you know, that must have been an interesting experience kind of out there getting exposed to CrossFit because I'm sure it was still somewhat different than what people around the country were getting exposed to at the time because it was still probably in its in a more pure form of like what it started as then versus maybe what it is now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, back then it was, it was crazy. I, I was in LA at this time. So this is 2013. I'm now living in Los Angeles. Um, and um, I start going to a spot called Valley CrossFit and the way that they were was, I mean, I don't want to diss CrossFit today, but like the way that they were back then is something I have yet to see again. Um, they were like anywhere, anytime, any challenge, we want to be the most prepared for like anything. Like when they're talking about being the fittest, they, they meant it. And it was funny because they would come, we had a deal. Uh, I was working at Tempest Freerunning Academy, which is like the first major parkour gym um, in the world, like first solely dedicated to parkour gym in the whole world. Um, and we had a deal with them. So the Valley CrossFit guys came and they like took classes and stuff from us for free. And we got to go over to Valley CrossFit and we got to train with them for free. And we all became friends. And dude, there was a guy there named Mark Michoni. He's a like a stuntman now. He's a like really great stuntman now. Uh, still, still buff. But uh, that dude would come in and I'm talking about like jumps that at this point in time I've been doing for like seven, eight years. He's just going for them. You know what I mean? And they require precision, you know, like you, you're not, you're not just jumping like, you know, 10 feet on the ground, broad jump. Like it's, it's three feet up off the ground, which like isn't super high, but that's high for anybody who doesn't jump between walls. And then you're landing on about a six inch thin wall. You know what I mean? And he he like went for it and he straight said to me one time weight moves weight and i was just like shit okay like you know like you know, <laughs> mass was, moves mass kind of thing huh it, it was it was crazy but that's that's how that's how they were back then and and uh i mean that's not what i'm experiencing like today um i've taught workshops to crossfitters multiple times and um they are a lot more hesitant to do things like it's a that. lot of, there's a lot of fragility in the sport i it, it's I'm, I, I think there's like multiple parts to it. I'm not a CrossFit hater. Like, you know, I, like I started in CrossFit too. And, um, I just, I found my thing and I found different paths. It's sort of like the, the, um, it's just sort of the entry for people who are like probably going to end up finding their stick within that thing. And then they move on to that thing. But, um, it is interesting because I would say you're correct in the sense that like back then was probably way more hardcore and it was, it probably attracted people that wanted to really push the limits. And it's not to say that like, it still doesn't do, I mean, come on, it's the most successful commercial fitness, like project of all time. I mean, it's, it's like anyone in fitness today has to be thankful for CrossFit, especially if you're in like one of these sports that wasn't bodybuilding and, and like cardio vascular, you know, fitness essentially of the eighties and in the nineties, right? Like it's, it's, it introduced people to strongman and powerlifting and weightlifting and gymnastics and all these different other aspects, you know, and even other cardio, like rowing and biking. And I mean, yeah, you know, it's CrossFit, it's cross training. So, but I would say, I would, I would say the assessment is probably more or less the same as yours. Like, I think there's a lot of fragility now it's, but it's not just in CrossFit. I think it's just in training period. Like, like people are just scared to do things. Um, and of course, if you like the stigma of like all the injuries and blah, 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 this and that, it's like, 
I'm sure that adds to it in a way where people already kind of like, oh, I hear people get injured during CrossFit all the time. And so they're already probably like hesitant, I guess. As well. yeah. yeah. Like you said, a good, a good word. You know, it's, it's not yeah. necessarily reflective of CrossFit. I don't think, I think it's probably just where the industry is as a whole, but yeah, yeah I, I, I can see that. I think that the focus now has, has become like, well, now CrossFit isn't just a training like modality it's a it's a sport now like you know yeah it's and it's just like so commercially available like at that time it was still a very niche crowd right yeah um you know i think like originally it was sort of military it was like it kind of really started as uh what do they call that um like it was like military like police military firefighters i forget what they ta- like tactical almost like sort of like a tactical yeah. training like that's kind of was the initial crowd i think which you know those guys are kind of hardcore anyway you know they're police officers yeah. and firefighters so it's yeah they were a, military. they were about yeah it, it was it was definitely an an ideology you know what yeah. i mean it's yeah. like we're going to yeah. use this and we're going to like live for this and then eventually it got to the point where it got so advanced that it was like no we're going to focus on i'm going to get these numbers up i'm going to get my my cardio up i'm going to get my reps up you know what i mean i'm going to get my times down and like you know i'm going to make like well now there's there's like rewards involved in it so um but yeah, yeah. but back then like that that was they were just like I'm fucking here to do fucking everything. Like, and, and that's, that was like my introduction to, to like that kind of training. Um, and the wads back then were throw up wads. That's what I always like called them, but it was literally like, if somebody is trying to make you puke, that's literally what was happening. And, and, um, it was my first time training, like, like that like it, it wasn't because the beginning of parkour was very much like that because it was so it was just terrible the stuff that we did in the beginning of parkour it was like you're going to do 600 sit-ups and after you do 600 sit-ups you're going to literally do 150 push-ups and then you're going to go crawl for an hour as far as you can forward and then you're going to do the same thing backward and then you're going to prop yourself between walls and this is a i'm a 12 year old kid doing that so then you know that's the first three years of my practice and then the acro stuff kind of comes in that fades out for me you know for a cool another three or so years three or four years and then it basically gets reintroduced back to me through crossfit you know what i mean and it was it felt very similar like it was just like except now um it's not just my body it's there's a barbell and you know there's there's like bumper plates and you know like there's there's dumbbells and there's like you know like slam balls and wall balls and like rope stuff and like you know things on the rig and stuff like that and and i remember immediately i kind of thought okay like this is probably going to be helpful to me and then after uh, a long while of doing the classes, I realized it's like, okay, hold on, this isn't actually conducive to my training. Like this is conducive to me getting better at this thing here in CrossFit because it's not it's not specialized um, for for what I wanted to do. It's not specialized for like you know plyometric growth. You know what I mean? I, right. I want to make plyometric progression. Like cool. Like you know I. Funny enough, I have asthma. I'll tell you about that later. But I was like, cool. I'm getting some more respiratory capacity um out of this but is it translating over to parkour where the movements are like very very intricate and like a level of focus is constantly needed you know what i mean um 
And I, it was sapping me because I was doing the classes every morning. And then I was trying to train parkour, like, you know, from the afternoons through to the evening. And it was just like too much. I didn't, I didn't understand enough about like nutrition. I didn't understand enough about like sleep, didn't understand enough about like proper hydration. Um, so what I took from it were the things that I thought would benefit me the most. And I was like, it was the strength I figured like would benefit me the most. Um, but there wasn't enough emphasis on squatting, you know what I mean? Like not, not enough emphasis on depth squatting for sure. Um, and like, I didn't have anybody around me to, to tell me otherwise, you know, this is early, early days of kind of putting strength training of any, of any kind into parkour. And there were only a few people at the time, um, that were even doing that. Um, my friend Renee Scavington in Vancouver, Canada, he's like, I think he's probably the best knowledge on, on this, like in the sport today. Um, and back then he was, he was training people. He's been doing parkour for a couple of years longer than me. And he was like training people for like Hollywood movies. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Like that's, yeah, that's what he was doing. Like physically, like just doing people's like strength training, bodybuilding training and stuff like that to get them, you know, like ripped and shredded for, for whatever roles they had to play. Mostly he was working with stunt people, um, right. you know, so that they could, so that they could properly double the dudes who are on every fucking thing. So, um, so yeah, so that was, that was my experience. And over multiple years, I, you know, I got introduced to people. I wouldn't say like of the caliber of yourself. Like I told you about my friend, Logan, that's somebody who I would say is like of the caliber of yourself, but Logan, I didn't meet Logan until in person until 2019. So by that time I had already been training a certain way, you know what All I right. mean? Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't enough. I mean, like, you've seen my work, the demands of this sport on my body were not being met with the, the work I was doing in the training room, like definitely not. And, and I was doing everything that I thought to do to try to address like, you know, the, the injuries that I was experiencing or the pains that I was experiencing or the weaknesses that I was experiencing. And I just didn't have like the, the basic knowledge. Um, and it really wasn't until I got in front of Chris that I got the keys to, to some of these things, you know, um, and, you know, through, through just meeting him in person and seeing his influences like you and like other people around. And that, that gave me more of a, that widened my gaze so that I could actually see the network that I already had around me and see more of what they're doing and how it could apply to what I'm trying to accomplish. And then I had an in-person, you know, um, experience basically with somebody who has gone through the, the, the issues of being like, you know, injured or hurt or weak in areas and has utilized the aspect of like loading and training to get those strengths back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that, that changed it for me. You know, I, I was looking for that. I was trying to do it already and it just took getting some guidance from somebody well smarter than I am uh, in that field to get me to where I am. Like this is, I'm 30 years old and the last, I'll say just, just specifically the last year and a half of my like training and career has been the strongest I've been, the least pain I've been in. <laughs> And um, I'm still explosive. I'm still flexible, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, and I'm I'm still extremely technically proficient. It wasn't getting into that level of training that has um, 
impacted my performance in parkour in a negative way. It's, it's helped me a lot, like more than I can, I can say anything else other than just the specific practice of parkour has helped me. That's super, that's super cool. So you, you train how many days a week, four days a week is your schedule right now? Yeah. Yeah. Four days a week. So four days a week of, of resistance training. Mm -hmm. Um, do you do any additional like cardiovascular training, like, like low to moderate sort of just general cardio? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Um, at, at the end of most of my sessions, I do about like 10 to 20 minutes of, um, of like nasal breathing, just, you know, kind of like zone two, you know, zone two. So it is zone two, but I'm not going to lie and say that, and say that I don't get into zone three because I definitely do. I just, you know, try to maintain the stress level. Um, cause that's, that's what it is in parkour. So I kind of want to simulate that stress in, in whatever way that I can. Um, but yeah, I, I do like 10 to 20 minutes a day for the most part. Um, and works, works out pretty nice. Well, that's great. You know, that's what, you know, an hour to an hour and a half of, of additional cardio. And then you jump basically one day a week right now. Is that uh, kind of right? Yeah. Right now on this particular program, um, that I'm on, I've been able to like get out and do parkour one to two days a week, like hard oh, okay. parkour. Yeah. Um, but mostly it's on the weekends. And a lot of that is also because of like where we are right now, you know, being in Miami, if we were in California, I would probably be doing three days of, uh, of training in the gym. Um, and I would be doing like three or four days a week of parkour training. Oh. Um, and it would, it would be varied. Um, but yeah, right, right now it w- it's just basically been like, I can build work capacity. I can build strength. Um, and I can build endurance and I can still, like at my current level, I can push my technical ability, you know, all I need is a day realistically because of how adept I am in the sport. Um, and I have like a very high success rate when I go out at this, at this current point in time. So, you know, I go out with challenges in mind and training in mind and I go out and I just, you know, get to it and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's a really impressive training schedule. Um, and obviously too, like you sort of do this for a living, right? So it, it's like, so for people who maybe are listening, who are, are doing parkour as like a hobby um, and like, you're still training, obviously your training's probably not going to look like Daryl's, but um, it is cool to hear that you're able to train at a very high level, like in terms of just general preparatory style training and do parkour at a high level as well, because it's really interesting because um, I started playing rugby and I really didn't make any serious adjustments to my training. Um, I still trained really four days a week um, in the gym during rugby. And a lot of guys like won't won't train legs during the season or Mm -hmm. they will only train upper body because they quote unquote run so much, or they just don't train as much. Um, and a lot of them will be like, Oh, well, you know, because I don't want to come out and drag, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if I trained, I would kind of come out to practice and I wouldn't be able to give it my all. And, you know, I, I, my experience doesn't really mirror that. Like obviously (laughs) the acutely there's going to be some adaptation that needs to occur 
to just the work capacity, right? Of like both tra training and playing the sport at the same time. But I think a lot of people experience those acute results and without kind of sticking out that initial window of, of discomfort or maybe like slight decrease in performance. Um, and they don't really allow the work volume to adapt before they kind of decide like, oh yeah, I can't train and play a sport at the same time. Like, I, right. I think it's kind of bullshit to be honest with you. Like, I think people really can, like, obviously you, and we're talking like perfect scenario, like training is good. Recovery is good. Like I'm not, you know, like, you know, there's obviously going to be some nuance to the discussion, but um, that that's my experience as well is like, I, I would train legs on that morning and then I'd go to rugby practice two hours at night. And I can't say that it negatively impacted me um, and a lot of people would ask, they were like, well, have you tried like practicing or whatever, um, you know, and not training? And it's like, no, like, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to do the best that I, you know, I'm like, I'm going to continue getting stronger. I'm going to continue getting more fit and I'm going to continue playing the sport. Like, it's just not even an option for me. It's not even mm -hmm. like, I, I don't have the idea that like, oh, it's, it somehow negatively impacts. Me. I don't think, I just don't think it does. And I'm not going to use it as an excuse, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree with you on that. You know, the, the the only time in particular when I have to like kind of put the the like, you know, training room activity to the side is when I'm traveling and I can't get into like, you know, the gym. Um, now, if I'm traveling for two months, I'm finding a fucking gym. Like that's okay. the truth. You know what I mean? Uh, but if I'm traveling for like, you know, two weeks. And then, yeah, you know, maybe I don't have to, but a lot of the time, most of the places that I go to, you know, they got, they got weights there and I might not be able to do my whole program, but like, I can, you know, I can get a set of squats in, you know, like I can get some, I can get some power cleans in, I can get some, some deadlift, you know, and, and it's like, that's, that's all I really need as a holdover until I can get back to my, my like main routine. Um, but yeah, like. I, so I do have the experience of not being in the training room and only performing in the field, essentially. Um, and I also now have the experience of being in the training room and um, performing in the field on the same day. And that's, that's what my schedule, that's the schedule I like. I like what you're talking about a lot because I think, I don't think that, I'll tell you what, it doesn't feel as physically draining or as like impactful to my, to my body, like in terms of aches and pains and things like that. Um, when I'm in the gym versus when I'm just out in the streets, you know what I mean? Like doing parkour, like it's a, the variability of parkour is what I think makes the challenge like harder, you know what I mean? And then the structure of what you can do in the weight room, like, you know, what's coming. You put right. the bar on your back, you already know how much weight it is. You have total control of how it goes down and if it comes up and if it doesn't come up, you can let it go. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in, but in parkour, if you, if you initiate, you have to commit and you don't always make it when you commit. Sometimes you undershoot, you know what I mean? And that's still impact that you have to take. Um, so I think that thinking that doing um, you know, so much training in the gym is going to negatively impact or drain you or like possibly hurt you for, you know, the sport of parkour is kind of idiotic because it's like, dude, you have, you have a hundred percent control over this and it's not as physically, 
um, demanding in the same ways. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, physically, yeah. but not in the same ways, you know, it's the, like the plyometric one, feats that you guys do. I don't think people realize like the forces and those forces can't be duplicated. They can only be done and achieved through, through parkour. Right. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's the same logic as like, you can't physically prepare your body for sprinting like in in the sense that nothing in the weight room is going to meet the same like equivalent level of intensity and demand and forces on the body right because the forces measured on the body just during sprinting alone is like for you know at least double if not triple four or five six times body weight in some scenarios depending on the athlete or whatever it's like you're just never going to do anything in the gym that 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 meets that demand, let alone exceeds it. So the only way to really train like sprinting and to be healthy for sprinting in terms of like is to sprint. And like, I, like when you're making either five, six, 10 foot drops, like some, I've seen some crazy stuff. It's like the amount of force that the body has to withstand. You just, there's just no way to do it in the gym. The gym is like really just more about general preparation. It's about muscle tissue and getting lean and strength, obviously like, um, mm -hmm. being able to recruit uh, maximal amount of muscle fibers to make big jumps and obviously endurance. Cause it, it's like such a, I'm sure there's different styles. Like, and that's something yeah. I wanted to ask you about too. I'm sure there are different styles of parkour, like probably more power based and more endurance based. And like, there's definitely just from my very, very acute knowledge on the subject, it seems like there are some different styles, even like you were saying earlier, um, more acrobatic and then there's like less acrobatic and more just like big feet. So within the sport itself, it probably has little niches of, of like specialties, but the gym is really to like, you know, to, to just make you better at being you, which is ultimately yeah. gonna make you a better athlete. Right. So, um, how tall are you? Because you're also a pretty big guy. And so that was like one of the things that I was, kind of shocked to see because I don't see a lot of big parkour athletes. Like most of the guys are pretty lean. They're probably built more like, like rock climbers, you know, in the mm -hmm. sense that they're like, mm -hmm. they'll be, they'll be insanely shredded, but just like really, really lean, just really lean. But you're not, you, you, uh, you're, 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 you're huge. So it's like, what's, what's that like? Because like, I would think you're kind of like the antithesis of what a parkour athlete would be like, just from like a, what the general knowledge of like most individuals would, would assume, like kind of like what I described here. Right. Like, mm -hmm. like what, what's that? Like, what is your experience with that? Because you're what, like how, first of all, how not to put you on blast, but like oh, how, go ahead, run it. how tall and how big are you? Because you're, you're a big guy. Um, first of all, you, you're the, like, it wasn't until you said I was big that I actually like believed it. Cause I was just like, when I met you, I'm like, I'm like, this guy's fucking huge. And then you're just out of no, I didn't say that to you, but I knew it. No. Like I was like, Oh God, like Jeff's huge. And then, and then you're just like, yeah, bro, you're over there just like big as fuck. And I was like, what me? And I was like, damn, this body dysmorphia needs to go away. Cause like, I want to see what I look like, but, um, <laughs> nothing, hits, uh, am, nothing hits, hits, nothing is like, nothing is more validating than, like a body compliment from another man, right? It's like women yeah, can say dude. that shit all day. And you're like, okay, but when your boy says it, you're like, yeah, I must be fucking, must be, I must be huge, like, man. I must be yoked. I'm, <laughs> I'm hitting, I'm hitting my Johns, bro. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
but yeah, man, I'm I'm um I'm five nine and uh I I fluctuate between like 192 and 197 uh pounds. Oh. Um yeah, I mean most of the time I'm like in the middle with that 194, 195, but you know, some days I'll just be like or for like a week or two, I'll just be for some reason I'm just like barely touching 192. And then another week, you know, I'm like like closing the threshold of 200 pounds. Um and I don't know exactly what that is in particular, because I usually try to keep the same schedule, but you know, I don't know, like I'm not a genius at that stuff, but yeah, that's, that's my, that's my size. Um, most of my recent performing career, like in the last, um, since 2019, I've been between the 170 mark and um, the like, you know, higher 190s. Uh, for the past two years, I've been 185 plus. Like wow. I've I haven't dropped under 185 in the last two years. Um, and it's I think that actually as I've gotten heavier, I've gotten more explosive. Um, and I mean, you know, I I can't say exactly what that is. I think it's relative to the training and the demands, and also how much I I consume because um, I am starving all the time. Um, so yeah, like I. I, I, I am, I am a bigger person in the sport. Um, I'm not the tallest person in the sport. I have a friend named Tim champion who is one of the best parkour athletes of all time. Like he, he and I, you know, get to exist in the same class. We're like frequent competitors. Um, and we actually share a, a specialty of the sport. Like we're the two biggest, like, you know, swing people in the sport, like, you know, um, and the funny thing is I told you I'm five, nine, yeah. And I weigh, I weigh in the one nineties, he is six, two or six, three. And he is also in the one nineties. Um, wow. wow. And like, we are, we are frequent competitors, myself and him. Um, and he trains very similarly to how I train. And he comes from, you know, 17 years of elite gymnastics experience, um, before he even got into parkour. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, He's big in the weight room. He fucking his bench is stupid. His bench is almost four plates right now. Like, oh my god, uh, yeah, dude. I mean, he's. Um, it's funny. He's he was benching three fifty one day, and he goes, "This feels lighter in my hands than it does on my back for a squat." And it's the funniest thing in the world. Um, but he's got a he's got a big jump too. He's got a massive jump. Um, and yeah, if you see him, he is just fucking ripped, bro. He's he's a big guy. Um, and the last time I saw him, he was like, dude, what have you been doing? You look so big right now. And I'm like looking at him saying that to me. And I'm just like, are you, have you seen you? You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> like, it's, it's gotta be the body dysmorphia, but, um, Oh, it is. Are, That's a real thing. We are, you know, it's like every time I look at myself serious. in the mirror, I just want to break it. Bro, and that's insane because like I see you and I'm just like, this guy is when I met you, I was like, I didn't know he was this big, you know. It's like, funny. I, I quite a, like a lot of people that have met me just to like, you know, put myself on a pedestal here for a second. Cause like, who doesn't have an opportunity to do that? Um, right. It's funny because a lot of people, when they, if they've seen me on Instagram and then they meet me in person, a lot of people have said that I think too, because I am taller, like six foot six one, I think like the vertical orientation of Instagram doesn't really help guys who are taller. Like, I think it makes it worse because it just, it, you know, like on YouTube, I actually look a lot bigger like in the video than if I were to put it on Instagram, because I think just the orientation yeah. runs. So a lot of people yeah. have said that, which it's like, it's always like, Oh, that, 
such, such a nice, it's such a nice compliment because, um, dude, I've been, I trained my fucking ass off to be big. You yeah, know I mean? <laughs> yeah, we like that. We like that, bro. Like, yeah. yes, you're yeah, huge. You, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, you look like the freaking predator, man. You're just like, <laughs> like, you look like you're about to just hunt and kill, you know? That is, for the most part, what I'm out there trying to do. Yeah, you know? that's, that's what it looks like. So you mentioned briefly, you said that you are a swing guy. So I already kind of was like, oh, I want to kind of go into the different, like, um, niches within your sport. So, and you also mentioned earlier, there's like the more traditional and then it, it changed. Like, what kind of the, let's start there. Let's start with like how the sport started and what defined sort of the traditional parkour athlete before it transitioned into more of an acrobatic thing? Like what were some of the um, like objective sort of, uh, what's the word? Um, standards or like, or patterns yeah. that, that made it what it was before it turned more into the, like we've all seen the guys that like run up on the side of something and then they do like a flip off and they, you know, yeah. that I assume is probably more of the acrobatic stuff, but like prior to that, is it like swinging, climbing, Jumping is that like kind of the the breakdown of like what the more traditional parkour free running athlete would be? Yeah, yeah. It's so the the thing that you'll hear if you listen to anybody talk about parkour is like they'll say, well, parkour is the fastest way from point A to point B, which is like it could be, um, but a bullet train is that really? So, but you know what I mean, like. It, it, it could Sorry. be conceived as that, but it's, it's, it's essentially kind of like the initial uh, idea of parkour was, was like finding the fastest and most efficient way with the human body alone to, to achieve a particular goal, which is like, I want to get up there. Like, what is the quickest way that I can get up there? What is the most efficient and effective, like, you know, maneuver that I can use to get there kind of thing. And um, like, that was, I mean, the guys that were that were formalizing parkour, they were trying to do like full runs through the city. You know what I mean? Like full runs through like Paris. You know what I mean? Like that's, insane. that's what they were trying to do. Like literally they were like, I want to get from this point over here to miles over here. And I want to find the way, which is where they got the like the rooftops ideas from, you know what I mean? Cause they were like the rooftops were close enough and connected enough that they could actually jump between them and, and like, you know, achieve these goals. And then they would find that there's gaps that are too big. Okay. Now we have to descend. We have to get down and get into like the street level to get around and stuff like that. And that was like a, you know, very comic book practice, you know, like a Ninja Turtle esque practice that they were running yeah. Um, and I think it was through that, that they started to find like what you're talking about in terms of like the standards, you know what I mean? So you have your, your standing precision jump, you know, which is typically just between two points you take off and you land precisely on the other point. Um, you have your building, uh, gaps or just any gap jump in general, where it's like, okay, I'm not going to land this precisely, but I want to be able to clear this gap and keep moving, um, and dissipate the impact, whether that be with a roll or with a crawling maneuver. Um, I call that a gallop. Um, and then they, you know, they found ways where there's gaps. I can't jump across and land on my feet, but I can jump and I can like catch the edge of the wall with my hands and put my feet on the wall, which is a cat leap. You know what I mean? Um, right. so, so back then it was mostly about getting up and over and across things, you know what I mean? Um, 
and the sport began to formalize with those movements, then it wasn't just, you know, I, I'm just utilizing this kind of like a utilitarian. It's more like, okay, I see this gap that is 10 feet. Um, and I've done this gap a million times. That gap over there is 15 feet. Can I make that gap? You know what I mean? And then you started to get more of like a standardization of the maneuvers where like nowadays you have the standing precision and like the golden standing pre is 10 feet. You know what I mean? Like if somebody can do a 10 foot standing precision, you have a great standing precision. You know what I mean? Um, like in terms of like you're, you're now up there because a lot of people can't do that. So there are like some objective markers at which like you would classify someone as, yeah. as like a, a certain level in the sport. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's like a 315 back squat, a 225 bench, you know what I mean? Like, a, right. like a 405, like a 405 deadlift. Like those are kind of, that's, that's where a lot of things are. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was mostly, it was mostly those kinds of movements. You had your jumps, you had your particular climbing maneuvers. The swinging actually wasn't very, um, it wasn't very big back, back then. Swinging is extremely difficult, very intricate. It's probably the most demanding fundamental, it's the most demanding and risky fundamental um, movement in the whole sport, I think, um, because it's all reliant on timing, body position, strength and power. And your own, all your contact is just with your hands. So it's like, your whole body goes into this thing. And if you make a slight error, it, it goes from you trying to make a gap and land on your feet to trying not to land on your fucking head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to that. And I think that's one of the reasons why it didn't advance like crazy in the beginning, but the jumps did the, the, um, you know, the height drops, those things advanced, uh, the gaps did the roof gaps totally did. Um, and you know, that, that created what is essentially for the most part, like the fundamental ideology of parkour, which is like, you know, a more, more efficient and pragmatic practical movement. Um, now what people did with the acrobatic aspect, the freestyle aspect of that is they took the idea of achieving a particular goal. Like, okay, I want to get from here to over there. Right. And it, maybe I'm doing like an L pattern, right. Um, but when I do this L pattern, instead of just getting to the cross point and then turning and going that way, I want to like, you know, do a front flip here. And then when I land the front flip, I'm going to put my hands down on the ground and like roll over my back sideways. And then, you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll find another obstacle to grab onto and then push myself to do another different like acrobatic maneuver out of that. Like, you know, it just kind of became, it became like, how, how do I start to utilize these acrobatic maneuvers as like kind of um, like intrigue points, you know what I mean? Interest points in this run that I'm trying to do. And it became about building lines, you know, and that's what, that's what we call them. It's funny because a line used to just be a literal line. It's a straight right. line, but, but now it doesn't matter where you go. It's a line. So, um, and I'm not mad at it. So, um, but yeah, that's what people were trying to do. They were trying to put a lot of combinations together with these um, these different movements, or they were trying to find new ways to to do the movements. You know what I mean? Um, there's a movement called a palm flip, which is basically like if you're standing and there's a wall right in front of you, you jump, you push the wall, you do a backflip off your off your yeah, hands. Okay. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, people are doing double palm flips now, where they're literally doing a palm flip and doing two backflips, but they're typically doing that from height. 
Um, there's a step up palm flip where you run at the wall, you put one foot on the wall to get you some height and then you hit it again with your hands and then you do the backflip and people are adding full twist rotations out of that. Um, so yeah, the sport now, if, if I was kind of going to classify like where the styles are, there are the, the traditionalists, you know what I mean? Um, who are just focused on trying to, you know, maximize the, or not even maximize, just trying to do the practice as traditionally as possible. Like, like, like route to, running more or less. Yeah. Close to the founders. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they're not trying to complicate it. And they're also most of the time not trying to push it to the maximum. Right. And then you have the power athletes who are really just trying to like, you know, throw themselves the farthest, go the the highest, you know what I mean? Um, you have a lot of the freestyle people, which they come in a spectrum. There's the one trick ponies, you know what I mean? Who are just like, I want to do as many hard, intricate, difficult tricks as I can possibly dream up, you know? And then there's the people who are like, I like the hard and intricate tricks, but I want to combine them. I want to put them together in full runs. Um, and you have the people who are just rooftop runners, you know what I mean? Who are like, I just, I want to go up there and I want to like find these cool gaps to do um, or like these cool roof challenges. There's a lot of architecture that's specific to rooftops. So it kind of like makes for a, for like a unique style of parkour. Um, cool. And then, then you have, then you have hybrids, which is what I would call myself. Um, somebody who is like, I want to do all of that together. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of variability within how you can practice this sport right now. It's really interesting. Um, like, obviously just, I've seen, you know, you see stuff go viral. It's a very, I guess it's probably an easy thing to go viral with because it's such like an uncommon sport, but the feats are so incredible, mm -hmm. um, that it's like when people see someone jumping 20 feet off a roof and land it's just like even something as simple probably what is considered simple as that would like obviously don't go try jumping off 20 foot roof and landing but it yeah. just seems so simple right because it's like just jumping and falling but it's like 20 feet it's like man most people walk around with knee pain you know they're not doing any plyometric yeah. activity like the things that probably run through their mind when they see that is like just crazy now you have to forgive my ignorance because Again, I'm not really like in the sport and I've had very limited, you know, anything into it, honestly. This is probably the, the most I've ever gotten into it. Um, is, there, is there some historical like roots in the sport? I mean, like, mm -hmm. I think if you look at, if you look at Hollywood movies and of course they're Hollywood movies, but if you look at like, like ninjutsu or like, like, um, like some sort of act soldier acrobatics, because even like, um, within the military, you know, they do have to do like wall runs and, and, and like various, not to compare the two, but there, there is some kind of like um, problem solving in terms of routes and barriers and, you know, different heights and, and things that they have to try to do. Is there some, before it was kind of adopted as a modern sport, is there some historical roots in the sport that go back you know, God knows however long that someone could be like, oh, parkour kind of originated here or is it, you know, yeah. What, what's yeah. yeah. So um, the the common knowledge in the parkour world is uh, George Hubert. Like he's a um, 
French French um I don't know if he's part of the French military. I'm pretty sure he was he was French military. Um and he spent a lot of time in Africa studying like the indigenous tribes out there and how they moved through their environment. And he spent a lot of time uh in Asia, like seeing how, you know, a lot of the martial arts practitioners right. would like move and practice and train. And he kind of um like used all of those studies, all of that observation and research to try to formalize a, um, a methodology, um, which is literally method naturel is what they call it. Um, and he introduced that to the French military, which eventually made its way into the French fire academy. Um, and a French firefighter uh, was training his sons in this particular movement. Um, and, you know, they are some of the founders of the sport of parkour as we know it today. Uh, that's David Bell and his father, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, you know, David Bell around all of his friends, you know what I mean? Like they, they all shared this like love for this particular movement that, that came from the study of these indigenous African tribes and, you know, like the, the culture and martial arts history, you know what I mean? Um, so cool. They, they all came from that. I mean, these guys, are still practicing parkour today. Sebastian Foucault, who is my initial inspiration into parkour. Um, if you've seen the movie uh, 007 Casino Royale, there's a there's yeah. a long chase sequence. He's the guy who's who uh, James Bond is chasing. Oh it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. on the yeah. roof. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, the, okay. he's the dude. He goes goes through the goes through the um the construction site and all that stuff. Right, like, right. Yeah. That, that's the guy that he's, that he's chasing. Um, and yeah, he's one of the, he's one of the uh, formalizers of the sport of parkour. Like, you know, he, he is a massive part of making it what it is today. Um, and that all originated in, in lease um, France. And so parkour, I imagine is a French word. Yeah. At least. Okay. And it, and it means what? Uh, you know, put you on the it spot. doesn't, Let's, yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't actually mean like anything. Like anything? There, yeah. There is a uh, parkour, which you probably, you know, what parkour are, right? You know, those like circuits that are in everybody's neighborhood. It's just exercise circuits. Yeah. You know, that's a parkour. And that's basically, ah. it's, a, it's a commercialized version of what, um, if I'm not mistaken, what Georgie Bear introduced to the french military you know it was kind of parkour means obstacle course yeah exactly so then it kind of took on its own like urban sort of name yeah they put a k they put a k instead of a c and they took the s and the e out so it just became parkour that became their thing so for the most part as far as i understand that's just a word that they that they coined you know what i mean they kind of created yeah Yeah. they made it they made it parkour so um that's that's where that all came from you know, it's from that. So it's always funny. My mom once told me like, uh, they're building a parkour park at my job. She works at Kaiser Permanente. And I was like, no, they're not. And she's like, yeah, they are. And she showed me a, a picture of the graphic. And I was like, that's a parkour, mom. That's not, that's not what you think it is. Um, that's for pull-ups and dips. <laughs> Poor mom. <You> know? <laughs> I know. That's so funny. She's so excited to share it with you. And you're like, no, mom, they're not, they're not building a, a, a parkour gym at your insurance job. <laughs> No, it's definitely not happening. Yeah, it was it was, it was painful because I was like, ah, I wish they were. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's wild, man. That's that's cool. I didn't know the history of it. Like, I, I just like 
just off the context of the sport and what it is, like I had some idea that there had to be some, some, you know, so, so essentially parkour in a nutshell is, is like, it, it's, it's moving through your immediate environment using no tools, except the human body, essentially. Exactly. It's the, it's That's the, just the app description. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And solving that, that problem, which isn't extremely athletic because like variability in general, I think is one of the primary things that makes sports sports, right. It's like the, 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 all the factors that can, that can weigh in on one's ability to perform a task is like what makes an athlete an athlete. Right. And can you like overcome those obstacles and those barriers and those perturbations and excel more so than anyone else. Right. Like that's what makes you great at whatever your sport is. So that's really cool. I didn't, I didn't like, obviously I knew there was some history there. Um, and it's so cool learning about stuff like this because you, you learn about like the, the intricacies of how these things are born and then, and sort of like the cult following that they get and then how they like commercialize. I'm sure social media has helped your sport a lot. I think when I first yeah. started getting into like, even just knowing what parkour was or seeing it, it's probably like back in, middle school or high school when you're like on e-bombs world and there's like mm -hmm. crazy crazy videos of guys doing like insane roof jumps and 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 just like you know they they'd be like in a in a like a like a condominium that would be like that would have like a central corridor or like uh i don't know what you would call that but if you think just like a square condominium and then there's yeah. like they traverse them down and they do it like that was probably my first exposure was like you're on e-bombs world looking up some debauchery on the internet and then randomly you see like some crazy ass stunt like that and it's like it's wild because it's not regulated these guys yeah. they're not getting paid you know probably at that time it's like totally it's like so quote unquote they probably don't see it as risky because they have an element of like control and confidence where they don't probably see it as risk as where it's like any normal person went trying to jump off a roof. There's obviously like a lot of risk. Yeah. It would, be a, it would be a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's, that's really, really cool. Um, and how it has different branches and styles. And so it's very appealing probably to a, a vast group of people. Do you get a lot, a lot of like, um, like in terms of cross training, aside of just like strength training, you know, like general strength training, barbell work or whatever. Um, do you see any other modalities of training um, that are beneficial to the sport or developing in the sport? Like one I would think of is rock climbing. Like I kind of- I was literally going to say rock yeah. climbing. That was, that was exactly what I was going to yeah. say. Um, so funny enough, climbing is probably, climbing and swinging are two of the, mo are two of the least touched aspects of parkour by the entire uh landscape and i mean like all the athletes um and it's because they're they're very very hard very physically demanding and very like upper body focused um in, in a lot of ways but the thing about climbing that's so difficult is you have to use your upper body and your lower body in like a cooperative kind of right. unison um or, or else it doesn't work like something that you cannot do is you can't muscle climbing. You know what I mean? Like you can, and it's going to limit how, how far you get, you know what I mean? Or how quickly, or you're going to fatigue 
You know what I mean? Like take the strongest person you've ever met and tell them to hang on just like the tips of their fingers. You know what I mean? And just say, hang on the tips of your fingers like this for a minute. And they're going to tell you, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. You know what I mean? So then tell them, pull yourself up over that wall that you're hanging on to. And they're going to be like, no fucking chance, bro. Like, you know, so it's like, it's, it's one of those things. It's one of those aspects of the sport that is so difficult. And the, the messed up thing is it isn't a jump, a jump. If you, there's a lot of people who got hops, you know what I mean? Right, Lots right, of people right. got hops, right? So it's like, oh yeah, I can, I can just jump, you know, I can, I can make that. Or there's people who have strong legs. So it's like, maybe they can't jump like, you know, the farthest, but they can land like very strong. Right. So most of those people in the sport, they, they jump from higher things to lower things that are further away so that they don't have to actually like make that distance, but they can, they can absorb the impact. Um, With climbing, if you're not good at it, there's no way to get good at it other than you have to learn the intricacies of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like the the techniques. Um, and then you have to train them because that's the only way to get stronger at them. And that's where I think rock climbing would be um, a, a massive benefit to, to a parkour athlete. Um, there are quite a lot of parkour athletes who do rock climb. Um, and they are typically, the ones that are the best at rock climbing are typically like, you know, pretty good at climbing at parkour. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty good at parkour climbing. Um, the, the challenge comes with the dynamic aspect of it for them, yeah. you know. I think that that was my experience. I need to get a climber on here and chat about it a little more because I don't have tons, but I do. I will recreationally go to a local place here in St. Pete called Vertical Ventures. Um, and it's a climbing gym. And I will say that's the biggest barrier for me is like I can pretty much muscle my way through a lot of the basic stuff, right? Like just strong lats, strong arms. But the advanced boulders and advanced climbers, I think the biggest transition is lower body skills, like heel hooks, um, mm-hmm. different different things. Like, I, I don't know if anyone's ever tried a heel hook. I don't care how strong your fucking hamstrings are, but when you're yeah. literally trying to like pull yourself up by flexing your knee and basically just doing like a hamstring curl, I don't think I've ever had such an intense like hamstring contraction in my life. Um, it is and that's, I think that's the differentiation between like very advanced climbers. Like obviously there's like basic, just grip strength, endurance, upper body, just general strength, of course. But I think like what's, what, what really, how you take climbing to the next level is the, the integration of like learning how to use your lower body with your upper body, instead of just being so reliant upon your upper body, because the lower body yeah. is strong. Um, I've seen a lot of climbers like the need for flexibility so they can close big gaps with their legs and, and do different techniques and things like that. So I could, I could see how there's a lot of crossover. I mean, how it's probably very similar, um, in, in parkour is, is that like aspect of it. Um, yeah. And it just takes time. You know, I mean, somebody sent me a video today of a guy doing one arm chin-ups with one finger. So he had one finger, middle finger grip on the rock mm. or on the lip. And he was like repping out one arm chin-ups on one finger. <laughs> yeah. Madness. Not, not, not me. <laughs> me either. I'm, I'm, me either. <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly reminded of how pathetic I physically am every time I log into social media every day, because there's always some crazy shit that you will see. You know what I mean? That is just like, that's fucking crazy. You know, my yeah, high school football team already reminds me enough of how pathetic I am these days, but it's like, 
then when you see somebody doing one arm chin-ups with their middle finger it's just like it's a literal just just like okay like i'm nothing it's like i i i don't i don't know why i deserve this but they, like i'm sorry <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm already a big guy so like six like 220 trying to climb is already hard enough like yeah it's, yeah it's not it's ideal it. like most guys that are good climbers at my size are probably like 180 you know like i would yeah. have to lose a significant amount of weight to probably any take but i just enjoy it as like a as a way to like tr train my upper body and i i do like the mental aspect of like having to solve problems while i'm doing yeah. it which it's very engaging to me especially because the gym can become so monotonous um i do like climbing as like a is like a uh, like a sort of modality to, to train upper body if like the gym gets stale or even just in addition to like I'll I'll randomly go and just have fun with it you know just get a different stimulus but yeah that that makes a lot of sense and I'm sort of gymnastics yeah. too like probably you can probably get a lot of gymnasts just because yeah. I mean you kind of touched on it martial arts gymnasts but I feel like gymnasts with the plyometric background um, that's that probably helps um, yeah yeah. Yeah, you, you want to know something funny about gymnasts in parkour is um, the uh, the flexion of the ankle is is the opposite to parkour. So in gymnastics, everything is plantar flexion. And in, in parkour, so much of it is dorsiflexion. It's the ability uh, to yield. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the funniest. It's the funniest issue that a lot of gymnasts end up like coming across when they do transition into parkour is like how often they have to dorsiflex when they're so used to plantar flexing you know what right. I mean? yep. um it's it's hilarious that and and a lot of the time like uh distance management between like you know the obstacle and the maneuver they're trying to do because most of what they're doing is done either with a specific apparatus or with no apparatus being right. just like the floor um so their their awareness of themselves is very great but their awareness of themselves of like with, spatial awareness like, yeah it's it's not unless they did like you know bar if they did uh they did like high bar or like women if they're doing like uneven bars you right. know they are typically the ones who come in and they're like i have a lot more like awareness for the well. obstacles yeah, that um, makes sense. yeah but the floor routine people they're like boy if it ain't flat that's not where i'm at you know what i mean like <laughs> um, it's funny how just a few feet and that's the thing too is like just a few feet changes it yeah. right and now imagine going way more than that, not just a few feet, you know, eight feet, 10 feet, 12 feet, 20 feet. It's like, that's a whole different level of, of just gives me shivers just thinking yeah. about it. Cause I'm, I, I would be scared. Yeah. I don't know any other life anymore. So now it's the, it's the that's way all you know. that, that's yeah. That's wild. That's awesome, man. That it, it's, it, this is, this is a cool chat because, you know, I, when I met you, I was like, man, this guy's so awesome. He's so down to earth. We have, um, a lot of like common friends, like acquaintances in the, within the network, um, people who speak very highly of you, um, which is always great. And then you just were like, totally just a chill, normal, laid back yeah. guy, you know, um, talk a little bit more because so obviously you do parkour and you do your training, but you also do, you know, we spoke a little bit, you sort of like co-design or design help with sh like footwear specifically mm -hmm. for parkour athletes. Um, no, actually at strike movement, the, um, the footwear that we make is like, we try to make the most versatile uh, piece of footwear that we can, you know, obviously within reason there's, 
there's certain things that like they need a lot of specificity and that's where the focus is like Mark Morissette, the CEO, like designer, like he's a, he's a genius, you know what I mean? Um, but his idea was to be basically like make a shoe that can go anywhere, do anything kind of, you know what I mean? And, and again, like that's within reason, you know what I mean? Right. Like where you're not going to take my shoe out and like skate with it and expect it not to get destroyed. Cause it's not designed for that, but it right. is designed it's designed to run. It's designed to jump. It's designed to climb. Um, it's designed to lift in. You know what I mean? It's it's designed for quite a lot of different things. We have we have break dancers who rock this shoe. Uh, we have um, elite CrossFitters. Elijah Muhammad is uh, is the only other person on the brand who has a signature, and it's the same shoe. It's the same okay. shoe that I wear. So he's doing, you know elite crossfit in in his shoe and i'm doing elite parkour in my shoe we both lift weights all the time you know what i mean and it's the same shoe so that's that's been the idea um of strike movement since the beginning to make the most versatile cross trainer that exists um and my job in there has basically been to take the shoe pressure test it when when it's either in it's um you know it's pre-phase like when we're in like the blueprinting phase or we have like an initial sample um so i will take the shoe and I'll, I'll pressure test it or i'll take a product that we have on the market and i pressure test it um in my realm my area and i deliver like detailed notes on things that i think uh, it does well and then aspects of performance that i'd like to see uh improve you know what i mean um in right. In, in CrossFit, you can wear the same shoe for a year and it'll, it'll get dirty, but it won't get destroyed. You know what right. I mean? But in parkour, you're not wearing that shoe for more than three months most of the time. You know what I mean? And that's like a good amount of time. So my, one of my particular, um, you know, attributes uh, to the our contri contributions to the brand has been like making helping make the product more durable you know what I mean like I need this shoe to last especially because it's $150 you know what I mean like between $125 to $150 uh, I need this shoe to last me for like at least that three months and I need it to last me that three months like certainly um, and then if I can get it to go six months that's great like you uh -huh. know the you know, if I can get it to go a fucking year, that's incredible. And not everybody's doing the level of performance that I am. But if it can last me that long, it can last anybody for a long time. And that's been a lot of um, a lot of like my work with with Strike. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of a little bit of like flavor, you know what I mean? In there, like just <laughs> throwing throw in throwing in ideas, color ideas, um, aesthetic ideas. But for the most part, yeah, I've I've been um, a high level athletic consultant as it pertains to the design uh, and the performance aspect of the, of the footwear. Understood. So it's like a cost training shoe. You're, the the yeah. goal of it is to be able to meet the demands of, of multiple uh, different types of training, more or less. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's a incredible shoe. I mean, I was in, I was in Nike's Adidas case with uh, Reeboks all before I got into strike in 2015. Um, I, actually the last shoe that I competed in was um a K-Swiss SI18 before I got uh a strike chill pill in in 2015 um so yeah I mean I, I was in 
I was in the, the like long field of, of shoes. I was training in skate shoes, Vans, Nikes, Adidas. Um, I was training in like all of the different Nike running shoes, the Puma Foss and uh, the, the um, I never, I never got to try the Adidas Addy stars, but like I went through a laundry list of shoes before I ever touched a strike. Um, and when I touched a strike was actually at a competition and I was like, do you have another one? And Mark, I didn't know it was the CEO of the company. I thought he was just a guy working a booth. Um, I was like, he had another one of these. Cause I'll go, I'll go do my fucking competition in this right now. And he's like, nah, that's the only one dude. It's the only one that exists. And I was like, well, call me when you got more. And he called me when he got more. So, you know, um, cool. that, yeah, that was my foray. And I've been like deep in the shoes and the development of them since nine years now. It's awesome. It's really awesome. Or going, going. And then on top of that, you're a cinematographer. I think that's like one of the things that really attracted me to your work is I do like aesthetics. I do like a certain aesthetics. I do like a design appeal. I like, I like a direction in which someone's trying to take you with how they film. I'm terrible at it. Like I wish that I wish that I had either someone or had the time to develop the skill of like filming and really finding a specific style about how I want to film and how I want to kind of like tell my story within like what I do at strength culture and my training and my coaching and stuff like that. Um, and I really like that about your work because, you know, you use a lot of black and white, you use a lot of, you just have like a very specific aesthetic that you like to film in that I find very appealing because I think that parkour in a way can be very aggressive. Like when you watch it in the sense of like, there's a, it's just a very aggressive sport, but what you do, and I, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I just, it softens it a little bit. It allows you to kind of watch it and see it more as art versus more as just like, yo, these motherfuckers are crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it kind of softens the, the blow of it a little bit. And it does add a lot of the way you film and edit adds a lot of what I would consider artistic. And, and I'm not saying that the sport isn't as, a, as, it, as it exists. I'm just saying the, your delivery of it you have a very specific way you're trying to communicate what you do, which I like a lot. Right. Um, I really like that a lot. So you're that, that too is very cool. I like to see. That. I do appreciate it. I do appreciate yeah. it. Um, I can, by the way, I can help you with the, with the film stuff anytime. Just, I would love that. I would love that. Like tech, I like, I'm just not technically savvy. I just, I'm like, I'm such a training, like, that's what I do. That's what I love. It's like all my spare time and free time is spent continuing to master that skill. Mm -hmm. But being in the online space has really shown me the value in being able to communicate and convey your product with a very specific aesthetic. And I, I kind of want to find that for myself. And I feel like it never, like, I think it's rare to find somebody who's going to convey it for you. I, I yeah. think that the people that are best at that really kind of do it themselves because they have a better idea. It, it's hard to take like a concept in your mind and put it in someone else's mind and say, deliver yeah. this, you know, it, it's like, it, it, like, it just never fully translates. Like it never is just like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. You know what I mean? It's like, there's still yeah. always going to be this element of you that's missing from it because you didn't create it. Right. So 
I would love to pick your brain on it because it's, it's something that I feel like I should develop, especially if I want to convey and deliver my content in a way, in a way that, you know, I've done all right. I've been in the industry for 12 years and I've been in social media. I've been, I've been, I've done pretty well on social media, but like I do look around at a lot of other brands and stuff. And I'm like, wow, they just have like a really artistic way of presenting itself because training in and of itself, like if you ask me, it, it, it's, it is very mundane and monotonous and like, regardless of whether you're bodybuilding, powerlifting, cross, like it's all pretty yeah. much the same stuff. Like as much as people want to try to pretend it's not like, it is a lot of overlap and it's a lot of the same stuff. And it's like, it is hard to grab people's attention with the basics. But I think if you add that artistic twist and it looks more appealing, it helps deliver the product a lot better. Even you could just be bench squat and deadlifting, but if you film it and you edit it in a way that people look at it and they go, wow, this is gorgeous work. It's just going to deliver better than, than yeah. just, you know what I mean? So that's what I live for um, in particular. Sick. So, yeah, I mean, for me, actually, I, I didn't have it. Like I, I didn't have, like I had the vision. I had the, the, like what you see in your head, you know? Right. Um, but yeah. I, I didn't have the technical knowledge um, at all. I didn't know my way around the camera like that, but I, I like found people who did. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is a lot of the people who have the technical knowledge or have the ability to like hold the camera, they, a lot of the time don't have the vision. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That's That's my point. Yeah, exactly. That's why you have directors and then you have directors of producers. Yeah. You have cam ops and stuff like that. So I actually learned all of it. I I am a cam op. I am a director. I am a DP. I am, you know what I mean? Like I am a producer. I know how to do these things because I I needed to. I had a particular need. I wanted something. I wanted to see something. I wanted to see parkour a certain way. I wanted to see my parkour a certain way. So I would work with people who knew how to film and I convey the message and they would miss the mark. So it got to the point where I would basically start taking the camera out of their hands and having them behind my shoulder. And I'd be like, I want you to do this. This angle. Yeah. exactly this and i'd I'd get other friends be like i need you to be a subject real quick so that i can show josh how to how to shoot this and then like like, this is what we're going to do so it got to the point where through the through the need i had to learn how to i had to learn how to rig cameras i had to learn about the lenses i had to learn about like f-stops and isos and shutter speeds and all these different things i had to learn about multiple dynamic ranges like nd filters you know mist filters i had to learn all this stuff because I needed to, like, cause I, I, I want that. What is that? And I'd look to somebody who is supposed to know the answer and they can't give me exactly what I'm asking for. So I had to be able to create it so that I could better convey the message. So now my team, you met my, my, uh, my partner, Mel, yeah. um, she is my main like media partner, you know, she's my partner in life and she's my partner in this work that we do. Um, and she comes from, that's an awesome, that's an awesome relationship to have, by the way. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, she doesn't love it as much as I love it, but, but, <laughs> someone, but I love it. <laughs> someone in that situation always loves it just a little bit more than the other one. <laughs> it's me. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's usually the one who feels like they're doing more work that hate that doesn't like it as much. Right. It's like, it's that like, is, oh. yeah. Yep. That is exactly what it is. It's, it's like uh, you have your, you have your creative and then you have your like systems person. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the creative person always feels better about it. But the yeah. person that kind of like 
makes it work and like puts the systems in place to like deliver the vision those are always the ones that like like it slightly less because it is more of the technical aspect and a little bit less of the, like the creative aspect right so it's like it's yeah. like this it's like the steve jobs versus the wozniak it's like steve yeah. jobs was loving what he was doing because it was just creative 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 and it's like you know wozniak was over there just like hating his life because he had to create the system in the background to deliver the vision. And it's always a very yeah. hard position. To, it's a hard position to be in a hard position. Yeah. It is. So a big, it off, is a big count. Hats off to Mel. Hats off. She is, she is a special one. A hundred percent. But yeah, man, like all, all of this came from that. I needed it. So I had to learn all the technicalities so that I could translate it to the people who I needed to do it. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm a chameleon with it. So like I, you need me to shoot photos. Okay. Yeah, I got the camera. I can shoot photos. You know what I mean? Like you need me to shoot video. Okay. Give me the camera. I'll shoot video. You know what I mean? You need me to like direct the team. Okay, cool. I do that. Um, and the hardest thing in the world is actually, it's easier for me to do that. If I'm doing that, like if we're coming out to shoot you, I'll do it. That's fucking, I don't have to think about shit. I can make the plan, tell everybody their job, tell them how to shoot, where to shoot and exactly what to shoot. But when it comes to what, what we do, where it's like, I'm the person who's, I have to be the subject, but I also have to be the director yeah. as an athlete and an artist. That is the hardest thing in the world. Cause it's like, I have to literally show you what to do. And then I have to go be that subject. And I have All to, right. that's like, it's, it's like a mind as a mentality shift. You know what yeah. I mean? Like now I'm an athlete. Okay. I'm, I just finished my run or I finished an attempt. Now I got to go back and be director and I got to check the shot. You got to sure switch it like that. Like, yeah it, and it's back and forth literally like it happens in in moments um so i think that's why i'm able to shoot how i'm able to shoot and how i'm able to convey the messages the way i am because that process is so difficult like that it demands a level of proficiency you know what i mean so kind of unbeatable it's incredible we'll definitely have to uh i'm definitely going to reach out personally and, and because that's where I'm at. I'm in this place of like, I kind of know the vision. I know what I want to convey finding like, and I just know like how I am as a person. It's hard for me to give up responsibility on stuff like that because it's just, there's a specific way I want it done. And mm -hmm. it just never like, and it's not on their end. It's not their fault. It's just like, there's a level of, 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 um, precision of execution that you want to accomplish. And it's like, again, like you just can't replace your own eyes and you can't replace yeah. your own mind as much as you, doesn't matter how well you are or how good you are at communicating and how well you communicate it. It's just, they're not in, they're not in where you are at in here at that moment. And it's like, you can't get people to duplicate it. You, you have to just do it yourself. And so that's kind of where I am is I'm fortunately in a place where my model and my system and my education on how I view exercise and movement and training is pretty solidified. Like it's not going to change much. It's not to say that I'm not going to continue to learn and I'm not open to those things, but I'm very confident where I'm at professionally in that aspect. So it's like, now I really want to take on this different aspect of like, how do I now convey it? How do, how do yeah. I convey how I see training and how do I, how do I deliver it to people in a way that it's incredibly aesthetic and it's incredibly receptive because training is a, like a kind of a barbaric, it can be a very barbaric and, you know, aggressive sort of like, yeah. it can come off that way, very brutish and ogre-ish, but there is, 
there is an elegance and an art and a softness to training that I, I see. And I think like if I can convey people's ability to appreciate that a little bit more than just a means to an end to something, um, I think it just helps kind of in, like take the value of, of what I have and really take it to the next level, right? It's like, that, that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm definitely going to pick your brain on that because that's where I want to be. And I just realized like, I need to learn the skills myself and I need to quit making excuses. Like, obviously it's going to take some investment and some time, but like, yeah. I, but like for something like that, I can make it happen. Right. I got so, you, bro. I got you, man. Wait. I, I can, I can work that problem out with you all day. Awesome. So Daryl, just to kind of, to kind of wrap this up, um, where can people find you? You know, you know, you obviously have social media. Do you have a website? That kind of thing. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at I am Wavezilla. Um, and um, you can find uh, Squadron, my, my teams, where all my films are uh, on YouTube. Um, and it's same thing. Um, Squadron, S-Q-V-A-D-R-O-N. Uh, on YouTube, we are the Legendary Squadron, T-H-A, Legendary, S-Q-V-A-D-R-O-N. Uh, and we do have a website. It is uh, www.the4thasqvad.com for the squad.com. Um, and I actually, I have a Patreon, which is actually where I drop a lot of my, um, my like movement breakdown content, which actually I'm going to send you the most recent one that I did because I think you'll love it. Um, and it's just patreon.com slash wavezilla. Um, okay. Yeah, you can find you can find all of our stuff there. Um, and, and we'll put it in the show notes too. I'll get a, I'll get the, the like a synopsis from you and we'll put it yeah. in the show notes so people, you know, can they don't have to remember the yeah. the, uh, the 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 unique writing and, and way that you kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Because when I was looking you at your email, I, I, was like, right? I was like, I have to really make sure that I get this right. But like, yeah. It's it's simple, but you know it's easier. It'll be in the show notes, guys. So you'll be able to yeah. access that um, and, and find more. We got technology. Well. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. So before we wrap this any, this up, is there anything anything you want to finish with? Anything you want to say? You know, anything you want to tell the world? Um. Well, hey, look, guys. Uh, the the flexi bull himself says I'm big, so you know maybe invest <laughs> maybe invest in me, maybe invest in me a little bit. You know, maybe maybe learn from your guy. Uh, no, but any but no, I'm I'm really just super appreciative for the opportunity. Um, I like am blown away that that you wanted to to do this with me. So I appreciate it. Um, and uh, and I appreciate I appreciate this friendship that we have now, man. This is awesome. Like yeah, I'm this, so this is honored. This is my favorite part about what I do. Um, you know, I got the opportunity to travel, see old friends, meet new friends. Um, it's just, this is the best part. This is what it's all about right here. And I wish people understood that a little bit more. You know, it's just like the relationships that you can make within your your interests or your passions or your hobbies far exceed any value that training will probably ever have. And if anything, it's the thing that's going to keep that that thing persisting. Right. Um, and yeah, man, like, like I, like when I saw you a phenomenal athlete, incredibly strong, incredibly grounded, kind, humble, just an overall great individual. Um, and that means more than anything, you know? So, um, the, the brief time that we shared down there in Miami together was absolutely wonderful. 
Um, and I'm looking forward to do it again. And I'm looking forward to chatting again. I can't wait till people hear this. Um, it's a little different than what I've done before. So it's, it's just been cool. I got to learn a lot today, a lot about a sport that I've obviously had exposure to very minimal, but now I feel like I definitely have a much better grasp of not only the sport itself, but your influence, what's influenced you and how you're going to influence others, because ultimately that is what you do. And that is who you're going to be. And that's the legacy that you're going to leave is, is, is you will influence others. No doubt. I'm sure there were people that will listen to this and they're going to go, I want to start training parkour. Where do I start? How do I start? Because I want to start. And I'm like, man, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I'll fit into my busy, busy schedule somewhere. I'll start with something. Um, but yeah, man. So I just want to say thanks, you know, thanks for coming on and I'm looking forward to doing it again, man. Thank you, bro. It was an honor and a privilege. I hear him chat the noise. Move too quick, can't stop for the talking. I hear him chat with the boys. Not so tough, but must keep caution.